What is going on, guys? Andrew with Pride here. The FDA is planning to redefine the word healthy. And if you still have blood pumping in your big old juicy veins, that should scare the shit out of you. Redefining a word is not a simple thing. Redefining a word as complicated as healthy is an even more daunting task because this impacts not just you, but our country and more importantly, your loved ones, the people who depend on you. The FDA is basically a hero fallen from grace because, yes, believe it or not, they were great once. Before the establishment of the FDA, there was a terrifying amount of risk with food and medication. They were putting chalk and water into milk just to increase its volume. Medication would be cut or diluted. Supplements and foods would boast themselves as cures or treatments for ailments with virtually no science to back them up. Don't get me wrong, this one does still happen sometimes due to a bunch of supplement loopholes, which... Maybe I'll cover in a future episode if there's enough comments requesting it, but imagine taking a medication today and dying from arsenic poisoning. This was a real worry at one point. Basically, food and medicine were the Wild West. Anything goes, no oversight. Buying almost anything was a gamble until the late 1800s. The FDA rolled up like the Avengers, ready to clap Thanos' cheeks, literally running to the front lines just to protect us all. Food, they were checking it. Chemicals, they were checking it in our food and the stuff that we were cleaning with. Drugs, safe, agriculture, insecticide. The list is huge, and it's arguably gotten even bigger the longer they've been around. They were and still are seemingly everywhere. They are in our pharmacies. They're in our cupboards. They are in our farms. They're in your walls. And despite all of this good, due to corporate lobbying, we started to see the cracks appear. These folks flipped quicker than Palpatine once they realized the amount of money and power that they had. Why though? And how do they get away with it in plain sight? I'm glad you asked. I'm actually going to give you a few examples here. See, the FDA relies on funding from the industries that it regulates. In 2018, we learned the FDA had approved a powerful opioid painkiller called Desuvia, despite objections from its own advisory committee. Basically, the employees were pointing out that this is a bad idea, and they're essentially just like, Nah, it'll be fine. Is it a coincidence that the drug manufacturer had very strong ties to the FDA? Nah, of course not. No way. Not at all. The FDA is a federal agency, so obviously it can be subjected to political pressure. In 2004, the FDA was criticized for how it handled the approval process for the morning after pill, also known as Plan B. It was delayed for years and years and years and years, claiming concerns about its safety and its efficacy. But was there a different reason? Critics believe it was really due to pressure coming from the conservative Christian right. Similar to that first example, in the 1990s, the FDA banned the use of silicone for cosmetic uses, in this case, breast implants. And wow, they were actually right about this. Look up hashtag explants. Anywhere, any social media really. You'll hear the stories of women getting their implants removed, the illnesses, the complications, and, and so, so much more. Allegedly, of course. 
the implant manufacturers launched this massive campaign arguing that they were in fact safe. They hired former FDA employees and consultants who obviously knew their way around the FDA. And in 1995, the FDA lifted the ban on silicone implants, claiming, oh, they found new evidence and now they're going to allow them. Lobbying campaigns are something of an example of Stockholm Syndrome. Part of their efforts are to convince the public things are safe and that the government is just oppressing them, and this usually ends up pushing citizens to fight on the behalf of the corporations, which in this case and many other cases ended up being deadly. Kind of like Jack 3D back when I was in high school and Ephedra it is a perfect example of what they say in Batman. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So how do you protect yourself? And what does this new definition of healthy mean for you? How are corporations pushing back on it? And more importantly, is the FDA actually doing the right thing? Because to me, it looks like maybe they're turning over a new leaf. You know, they're, they're on their redemption arc or something right now. So that is what we're going to be getting into in this episode, you guys. But first, a quick message just for my Spotify listeners. I'm in a competition to get to 50 five-star reviews with another podcaster right now. And whoever wins has to buy the other one a huge case of grass-fed meat. And that's like 300 bucks. I'm currently at 18. He is at 21. Only 20% of my listeners have left a review. So to the other 72 of you on Spotify, please click my podcast name, click the show, hit five stars on reviews, and I will love you forever. And of course, today's Amazon gift card giveaway. The question that you're going to be listening for is which food company pushed back on the FDA the most when it came to defining the word healthy. DM it to me on Instagram at andrewpfm or ideally toss it in the YouTube comments and I'll see it there. I also want to say congratulations to the last winner, Ash. And for the rest of you, please like, share, comment, subscribe, all that jazz, and let's get to it. While researching this, I watched a few news broadcasts discuss this, and it shocked me how how misinformed and out of touch or possibly paid to intentionally mislead the public these people are. And I don't think that that's like a conspiracy theorist thing to say at all. I mean, we, we've all seen that clip of the newscasters saying the exact same thing word for word, right? We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS4 News produces. But we are concerned about trouble and trying to be responsible news country. Is it really a stretch to say that they'd be paid to subtly tell us what to eat? It was not one or two of these broadcasts talking about how healthy cereal is. It was so, so many of them. It shocks me that there was ever a time where people thought a bowl of cereal was ever healthy. But still, today, people think, people think this. Luckily, under the new guidelines, they now require healthy cereal to have three quarters of an ounce of whole grains, one gram saturated fat, 230 milligrams of sodium max, and two and a half added sugar. It's not perfect, but hey, at least it's a start. I probably wouldn't call it healthy though. One of these newscasters said how much they love Special K and hey, at least it's healthier than Fruit Loops. So let's compare those real quick. Special K and Fruit Loops. 
at the time of filming this, they both have two ingredients on them that are added sugars, sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Special K is higher calorie with less fiber, but Fruit Loops have seven grams more sugar. For Special K, the only thing that is slightly healthier here is a little bit less sugar. And it doesn't have artificial colors. That is like me serving you a glass of bleach and then a cup of water that is half bleach. Yes, technically, it's not as bad. But why are we allowing food companies to mislead us by calling this part of a balanced breakfast? And more importantly, why are they able to pay to disrupt our government when they're trying to help us for once? Remember what I said in the intro about the FDA's original intent? This is the reality of corporations having their fingers in the government pie. If it impacts their profit margins, they can pay to skirt the responsibility of telling us the truth. We know that your 60-year-old neighbor isn't doing their due diligence and is just eating whatever food looks the most healthy, whatever has nice branding and colors on the package, or showed up on TV recently with some doctor talking about all the benefits of this obscure nutrient or ingredient. And, and, and here's the thing. Even if it is healthy, it is only as good as the sum of that individual's diet. I need to say that again, but in much more plain terms, if you eat 80% shit and 20% healthy, the math does not math in your favor. These companies have perfected the illusion of health with branding and buzzwords and logos and colors on their products, and they have tags and ribbons on them that say keto, gluten-free, low sodium, and I'm not even saying that those things are bad. Most dietary choices have a place with certain individuals. I'm saying that for years, the FDA lied to us. Corporations have paid politicians off for years, and now your great aunt Sally thinks that she is a nutrition expert because she's eating an avocado to get her omega-3 fatty acids, and she's having a yogurt at lunch and getting her probiotics, when the reality is that great aunt Sally has just been crushing fast food for the last three days a week at lunch every week for 20 years, but she thinks it's okay because she's getting the McDonald's salad, which is only 300 calories. Yeah, because they don't list it with the seed oil filled dressing as a part of it. And it is not the individual's fault. Most people do not have time to research all of this. We are fed bite-sized bullshit factoids. That is one pun. That sound really good and they're easy to swallow. That is two puns. So that you can Tell other people all these fun little facts. You sound informed at the break room while you are spewing out all these nice things. But at least it's not just a gigantic mouthful most people can't understand. That is three puns, everybody. But at least you sound smart in the break room, right? Like I said, it, it is not their job to know this. This is my full-time career and has been for over a decade, and I can barely keep up. Here is not even close to an exhaustive list of every dietary plan and secret from the last 20 years. We have gluten-free, low-carb, paleo, intermittent fasting, vegan, carnivore, vegetarian, high-fat, low-fat, did I already say keto, detoxes, juice cleanses, meal replacements. How in the hell is Great Aunt Sally supposed to know what is best if not informed directly by the government, news outlets, or responsible and hopefully honest companies. 
And what happens when we have more information and those things change? It is not possible. This is why these definitions, these rules, these regulations are important. And trust me, I am not a fan of government regulating anything. But I don't know of any other way to solve this besides a very obvious, simple thing that I'll cover at the end of this episode, which for some reason people just won't do. And I know why they won't do it, but people are too sensitive to hear the reason why. So eggs can finally be called healthy. After years and years of fear-mongering about cholesterol, we made it. If you're confused why we couldn't for so long, we owe that to the original definition of healthy that we made back in the 90s. A definition that is so egregiously bad, it allowed us to think avocados were going to kill us because of the high fat and kind bars were somehow healthy, despite the fact that they have got more in common with a Snickers bar than an actual whole food. But as much as we may hate this failure of the FDA in the past, the beauty of science is that when it is done right, we gain information, we adapt accordingly. It seems crazy now to say that a whole food fatty cut of salmon couldn't possibly be healthy, but cereal could. Now it seems crazy. But back then we were basically praising whole grains and fiber and had this obsession with vitamin A and C and all these other nutrients, which, which yes, they are important, but those, those little synthetic Flintstone vitamins that we were slamming before school were unfortunately not doing that much to offset the damage of that Captain Crunch and low-fat milk that these school toilets had the unfortunate job of fighting with every morning. So let's answer this. What was considered healthy in 1994, almost 30 years ago, when they first made this definition and what has it actually changed to? In 1994, for a product to be labeled healthy, it had to contain three grams or less of total fat, one gram or less of saturated fat, a maximum cholesterol of 60 milligrams, and 480 milligrams or less of sodium. It needed to have vitamins A, C, calcium, iron, protein, and some dietary fiber in there. There was no exact amount for those. And these were all measured per serving. We now know the importance of fat and cholesterol for hormone production. We know sodium is not the boogeyman, provided you're on a whole food diet, and that it can actually be helpful with hydration, muscle contractions, nerve function. And of course, this is how we ended up with all these fortified cereals and synthetic vitamins that are stripped of their enzymes, their phytonutrients, and just purely don't absorb. Was because for some reason, we saw these things as so important while ignoring all this other stuff. Now, however, for food to be labeled healthy, it needs to contain... Ready? Food. What? I'm not even kidding. Like, that's, that's a part of this, you guys. That is a part of the instructions that they have, is that it needs to contain food from one of these areas. Fruits, veggies, grain, dairy, or protein. I have no idea what that means for the time before this. You know, I, th I thought we got rid of the chalk and the milk in the beginning of the FDA, but apparently we still weren't required to have food be a part of food. Raw fruits and veggies are automatically getting that healthy label, which is great. There is a 5% daily value limit for saturated fat, but a 10% limit if it comes from animal products, which I fucking love that they did that, by the way. Something that is very strange is that spices won't be allowed to have that healthy label because of the drying process. You know, it's, it's 
processed food now. I think that's insane. Spices aren't just flavor. They have tons of major nutrient properties. But, you know, hey, I'm going to level with you guys. It's, it's not perfect. It's even contradictory at times, honestly. But it is better. A lot better. It actually feels like, for once, they have our interest in mind. Like dad finally came home after 30 years of getting milk and cigarettes from the corner store, you know? And, and that, is not, that is not just a joke about me being 30 and not knowing my dad. ConAgra is one of the huge companies that is disputing this. Understandably so. They are one of those companies on that like terrifying, these companies own everything like spiderweb pictures, I'll put it up. But even more so when you learn their brand healthy choice cannot even keep that name if all this stuff goes through. They claim that changing the word healthy is an infringement upon their First Amendment rights of freedom of speech. But there are already so many exceptions to that. We might not like all of them, but I mean, you know, things like you can't, you can't yell fire in a movie theater. You can't call for incitements of violence. And in my opinion, you shouldn't be able to lie to citizens about what they are eating. Hot take, apparently. I know. Ultimately, not calling something healthy doesn't mean that it is or isn't healthy. All humans follow some standards of needing whole, complete foods with a good balance of macro and micronutrients. We all have slight changes as far as our specific demands based on our body, genealogy, goals, and energy outputs. Basically, what may be healthy for one may not be for another or at least just not as much. But we can still look at whole food as a good base to start with. Just because a food isn't listed doesn't mean you need to avoid it. Clearly, not everything will be listed and not everything that is bad is going to be omitted. So as a general rule, eat as many nutrient-dense, colorful, whole foods as you can and you'll be better off than 99% of people. I do need to cover my concerns with this though. And I want to provide you some actionable steps here on what you can actually do with this information. But first, you better press that subscribe button, baby. Okay, I'm like half joking, but I would love it if you did. Anyway, is labeling stuff really even good? Maybe the real solution is not to warn people after the fact with a warning, you know, saying, hey, this is bad after they've already been exposed to it. Maybe it's better to just not expose them to it. Don't get me wrong, chili the country labeled high sugar drinks that were marketed to children and saw nearly a 25% decrease in purchasing. But again, that is the parents making a purchasing choice, not the children. We've seen what happens when individuals need to make a choice for their personal health. Cigarettes, for example, adding those crazy cancerous disease labels did very little to aid in smoking cessation. However, Halting the advertisements is what really carried that win. When we started labeling calories at fast food restaurants, it didn't discourage people from buying them. It made them go, oh, well, it's only 50 more calories or whatever. And then they buy it anyway because, you know, oh, it's only that much. There are loads of foods that we do not allow in the US and tons that we do allow that other countries have completely drawn a line at. Alter Gene's Twisted Truth is a great book about this, by the way. But it is clear that we're not going to be able to trust the government here to protect us fully. And I don't think we should ask them to do that. So here is the giant secret that I teased at the beginning of this. 
you do an elimination diet. Write this down if you're not, or at least screenshot this timestamp. You do an elimination diet. I have done it with so many of my clients, and you can see them here on the screen how that went for all of them. By going through the elimination diet, you start to learn the foods that even if they are, quote, healthy and whole foods, they might not be benefiting you. They might not go with your body, your chemistry, your gut. And then from there, you just stick to as clean of a whole food diet as possible. And people will be like, oh, whole foods, what does that even mean? Whole foods like things that existed a thousand years ago that an eight-year-old could explain every ingredient of. If you are eating something, take a picture of it, send it to your niece or nephew or something like that and be like, hey, what's everything in here? If they can't name it, don't eat it. You eat that diet minus the ones that you tested positive for in the elimination diet. And you periodically test your gut to see, has your gut healed to any degree? Are those foods that you used to not be able to handle a little bit more manageable now? Are you less reactive to them? This isn't some magic process. It's not some crazy thing that will complicate your life. It is a tool to give you information so you really understand your body. So you don't need to rely upon doctors for complications related to your health, your body weight, your diet. It is so you understand what makes you feel good, what makes you feel bad, and to equip you so that you understand how to gain and lose weight when you need to, and so you bulletproof yourself against the bullshit food information that the government and food companies keep throwing at us. If that all sounds good to you, and if you want results like those clients that I showed you, and you really want to take control of your health, drop the word health in the comments, and I'll reach out to you, or go to my website, pridefitness.us, and hit the contact page, and we can set up a free consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. But in closing, what do you think? Is the FDA overstepping? Should companies be allowed to lobby against these changes? I mean, they're essentially paying to lie to us. Is there a food that did or did not get called healthy that you are shocked by? Toss that in the comments because I'd love to hear your thoughts here. And uh, wow, what a doozy that was. We are basically three episodes, three heavy episodes back to back, guys, huh? If you want to get that free Amazon gift card, don't forget to drop the company name that the FDA is getting the most pushback from. And uh, yeah, guys, as always, my name is Andrew with Pride. I love you guys so much. See y'all later. Hey, everybody. Did you like that episode? You know you did, and you know you want to see some more. So, oh my God, you should click that subscribe button and then share it to someone else who wants to hear it. And then go find me on Instagram or TikTok or whatever at Andrew PFM and hit me with some questions of your own. So we'll see you guys there later.